He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. What a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, August 19, 2023. I have an exceptional episode thanks to Sadie Gurman, the Justice Department reporter for the Wall Street Journal. She has incredible access to the story she tells. She's a Denver girl. We go way back, and she is so smart. And you will love her as you listen to that great half hour. After that, you will hear from our troubadour, Dave Gunders, with his song, Crazy For You, which reflects these crazy times. My goodness, I am consumed by the prosecutions of Donald Trump. Have you thought about these 19 defendants, including the former mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani? guy who headed up the Southern District of New York Prosecutor's Office for the feds, the master of RICO being charged with RICO himself, including his fart target, Jenna Ellis. Now that's mean. Somebody else came up with that phrase, fart target, but we remember Michigan, and Jenna's gotten pretty stinky since I knew her because she sold out to MAGA, and now, even though I warned her, She's charged with felonies, and she's fundraising like crazy, and she's very famous. But pretty soon, our Monday morning 8 a.m. show will be famous, Craig's Colorado Corner. We get two smart people and me, and we talk about these prosecutions of Trump and a couple of other things. Fate has placed me in a position to figure some of this out because this is what I do. I was a great prosecutor for 16 years, and once I get in trial mode and in my civil practice, it equally applies just now once a month like it used to be when I was a prosecutor. But once you go into a crazy trial mode, things occur to you. And it's occurred to me, even though I've done shows on it before, the big lie flowed out of Colorado, and now I know a little bit more because I have more evidence. I really do, and I can hear it in a different way. And I was associated with so many of the people involved, Jenna Ellis, who would fill in for me, would be a guest in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Dan Kaplis was the person that vouched for her mid-November when she started that Stop the Steal Dominion defamation on KHOW, the place where I worked for the better part of a decade. I wished I could have been there to stand up to her, but I'd been let go by KNUS for being anti-MAGA a year before. And over there at KNUS, who took my spot on Saturday mornings, Randy Corcoran, who used to do the spot at 6 a.m. that George Brockler assumed even while he was a prosecutor, and he brought a guy named Joe Oltman over there. Gosh, it's an involved story, and nobody tells it better than 
Randy Corcoran, and I'm going to give him the opportunity. You're going to hear a bit from him, Randy Corcoran, a Colorado lawyer. He represents the Colorado GOP along with John Eastman, conspirator number two, as they have a contract up to 250K to sue Jenna Griswold to make their primaries private. Anyway, back to Brockler, way back, or not to Brockler, back to Corcoran, because he's the guy who knew and shepherded Altman, although Brockler did too. I want to go back to November 14 of 2020 and a segment where Joe Altman is with Randy Corcoran. This is before, just a couple days before Corcoran brought Altman to Peter Boyles for two straight days of softball interviews. But Corcoran wasn't just softballing it. He was vouching for Altman. I'm sure he did it with his colleagues at KNUS. And Boyles felt like he got duped and he's had a falling out with Corcoran. And I wrote about all this in the Colorado Sun, my latest column, an open letter to the Trump prosecutors. I hope you will read it. But listen to this sound because it's really fascinating. And if you go to my column, you'll hear and a whole hour between Boyles and Altman where they're talking about RICO, and Altman says he's been approached about the Hunter Biden laptop. That's a great hour. Get it through my Colorado Sun column and download it before it disappears. Download this too. This is Randy Corcoran with Joe Altman. Joe Altman is the guy who had conservative daily podcast. He used the pseudonym Joe Otto. I think, and he and his partner, Max, wanted to be like Kaplis and Silverman back in the day. They were streaming just like I am, just like thousands more are, sort of obscure, until Joe Altman discovered Eric Coomer and Dominion had rigged the election against Donald J. Trump. And within days, the Trumps were tweeting about it. So how far back did that bit of fiction go? When did people come up with this? Dominion was the perfect scapegoat, of course, in many states. And, you know, it's a plausible explanation why a loss could be a win if states with Dominion machines automatically flip votes. Well, that was Joe Altman's role. And he claimed he intercepted an Antifa call, heard about a guy named Eric, put it together with Eric at Dominion Voting Systems, who happened to be a bigwig, a doctor, he has patents, respected in the, in the field. They found he had social media against Trump. That means, yeah, he's a smart guy, but he should have probably kept that to himself, like a lot of people do for the sake of making a living, but he didn't, and he got attacked. And he got attacked early on, on Randy Corcoran's show, on my former employer, 710 KNUS, a division of Salem Media. Okay, before you hear this sound, November 14, he had on a bunch of women who went to the Stop the Steal rally on November 14th, 2023, a predicate for January 6th. He has on a couple of ladies who he apparently convinced to buy tickets right away to go because he's a Tea Party leader, don't you know? He knows these kind of people, and he's sort of a demigod because he's connected to MAGA. And boy, wait till you hear the part later in this show. 
after Sadie Gurman, where Corcoran brags about the fact that he'll do anything for Trump and he's part of the legal team. And he interacted with Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell. Who didn't he interact with? Wait till you hear that part, but here's a good taste of it. Here's the batting order for the show. First, there's sound from Randy Corcoran to whet your appetite. Back end of the show, more, including George Brockler, who Randy Corcoran keeps bringing up because Altman got brought to KNUS by Brockler, and Corcoran wants that known, and I know about that, and I talked about it in an episode called George Brockler that you can listen to. I think it was 63 or 64. But Brockler's thrown in with MAGA, and right now the thing that pisses me off and makes me crazy and crazy for you, the perfect song this week, is because people I used to respect, no, I'm not talking about everybody, but I did respect Brockler and Capless, and I can see when people tune in to listen to their take on the indictments of Donald Trump, the 91 charges, they turn to these respected lawyers and all they get is mega propaganda, that this is a political persecution and it's the wrong charge. I've heard Dan Kaplan say it's nothing, it's nonsense, and I can't even isolate a single soundbite because it's every hour. He keeps saying whatever Trump is saying, election interference, they waited too long. You'd expect, well, Dan doesn't understand how a tweet could be an overt act, but Brockler does, but he won't talk about it. And I just have to play some of his analysis because on Twitter, I expressed and some other people on Twitter that Brockler wasn't being straight in his analysis and he was considering it a political persecution and he snapped back at me and others. You better offer proof. So the proof will be toward the back end of the show, George, and we'll put it out there. Okay. I have better things to do. I have a busy law practice. I'm trying to run this podcast and Craig's Colorado Corner. And it's been my assignment in life to keep track of what's going on at the places I used to work. I can't keep track of Altman because it sickens me. Conservative Daily and like 4chan, 8chan. But I'll try to keep Capless and Brockler watched. I can't control them. I hope at some point they say they never liked Trump. And I suppose, well, well, whatever, because it's fascism. Now, Al Franken said it. I'll say it, too. I never knew what fascism is, but you can look at every definition. And Trump fits the bill, and he's super dangerous now that he's been caught. He's going on a crime spree, and he's threatening judges and prosecutors. And George Brockler was a DA And he says jack shit. All he does on his Twitter is castigate Phil Weiser, who's top law enforcement officer in Colorado, who doesn't suck on MAGA base money and all that bullshit. And see, I'm getting a little crazy. But I see that Randy Corcoran was involved way before Jack Smith puts the start of the conspiracy. He has it at November 14th. Now, other people put it on election night when Rudy, drunk Rudy, talked Trump into claiming victory. And I heard from Geraldo, and this is hyperlinked in my column too, 
He did an exit interview with Mediaite, and he said he called Trump on the 13th of November, and Trump seemed resigned to defeat, but asked Geraldo, hey, have you heard about Dominion? Where did this Dominion lie come from? It came from Colorado. Dominion, occupying the old spaghetti factory downtown near my law firm. And here's Randy Corcoran on November 14, 2020, with Joe Altman. And when you hear this sound and sound, I'll play after we listen from the marvelous Sadie Gurman. You will hear that there is a huge, close association between Altman and Corcoran such that on November 7, at 11 p.m. at night, Altman texted Corcoran that he had the evidence to turn around the election. This was on November 7th. Then Altman breaks it on November 9th on conservative daily podcast. And then he's shepherded through Salem, Colorado, my old workplace, Salem National, Malkin, Metaxas. They're all getting sued. Randy Corcoran's getting sued. So is 710 KNUS. And this is part of the evidence. Give a listen to this. And it starts, by the way, with Randy Corcoran and these women who he's convinced to go to D.C. And, oh, my God, their dear leader, Donald Trump, drove through in a motorcade and pressed his face against the window. I mean, you can't feign the thrill that they feel. And they feel it toward Corcoran, too, and Corcoran likes that as well. And then Corcoran goes on with Altman, and he reveals that text, 11 at night, and they both blame Eric Coomer, saying he's not an Antifa basement dweller. He's a smart guy. These commies, they're such sneaky people. They do things in the dark. Not really. I'm right here. I'm going to oppose fascism. Eric Coomer is suing Corcoran, Altman, and the rest because he wants accountability. And thanks to the lawyers who represent Eric Coomer, in my column in the Colorado Sun, there's a hyperlink to all their pleadings. It's as good as the indictments. Well, not as good because it's civil, not criminal, but it may become criminal. We'll get to that, especially on Craig's Colorado Corner. Give a listen to this soundbite, and then we'll take our first break. We'll come back with Sadie Gurman. You'll have more of these soundbites with Corcoran and then Brockler. And then we'll have a great segment with our troubadour, Dave Gunders, his beautiful and apt song, Crazy For You. Enjoy. We're loud, we're proud. Trump came by in the motorcade. His, I'll, I'll send you this video, Randy. It was beautiful. His face was pressed against the window. He was waving. Yeah. He was so excited to see everyone. And what a, what a message, what a message, Sherry, that this sends to the weak need Republican politicians who are suggesting, you know, Trump, go ahead and concede until we verify if this is a legitimate election or not. And especially a message to the Supreme Court justices and others. They just simply need to know that a vast swath of Americans, the 73 million who appear to have voted for Donald Trump, um, are, are paying very, very close attention and our voices need to be heard as well. Do you have Tracy standing by? Can we hear from her real quick? Yes, let me put Tracy on real quick. Um, she definitely wants to say hi. Randy, thank you so much for holding down the fort and for letting us talk. Um, we love you and we'll see you when we get home. And here's Tracy. Can't wait. 
Hey, Randy. So what do you think? Are you glad you went? Oh, my gosh. This is so amazing to be surrounded by patriots everywhere. Well, make sure that you convey this. I'm sorry. Oh, it just brings tears to my eyes looking around and see if people who we everybody looks different. You know, it's people of I mean, we have Chinese people for Trump. We have Vietnamese people for Trump. We have gay people for Trump. We have it is so stinking cool out here how everybody is uniting and smiling and we're seeing faces. It's so cool. So you're not just there. You're not just a bunch of old white men there on the mall today. <laughs> hey, Tracy, we, we are not. I've got in studio guests and I'm uh, and Alan West is coming up as well. So uh, we've got to let you go. But will you convey this message to Sherry? Because I didn't say it to her. I just want to tell both of you how much I respect the fact that when Sherry asked me, hey, what can I do? Are there any rallies? And I gave her the information. Man, the two of you were on a plane, what, that same night or the next day to be out there and stand for our president. That's right. 24 hours later, Randy, and I signed up to go count votes in Georgia, and it looks like they actually might choose me, and it looks like I'll probably be going out there for a week. So incredible. God bless you guys. Have fun. Stay in touch. See you when you get home. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Randy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, both of you. And I just want to clarify, I've said, I guess, Lincoln Avenue or Lincoln Street a couple of times. That's downtown. It's Lincoln Avenue across I-25, noon to 2, for the Stop the Steal rally in Parker. Good-looking day out there, a little chilly, dress up. But uh, I'm going to drive by there if I can. I think I can after the show. And uh, look forward to seeing you all over there. Okay, let's get back to the what I think is the most important story. And, and Joe, you didn't like this when I said it to you the first time, so I repeat it often now. Uh, what you have done and exposed may save the republic. It may save or at least save the possibility of having an honest outcome to this election because people's heads grow up and they say, okay, well, maybe there were a few machines that uh, made a mistake or whatever. You have exposed the Antifa basis to the man who has the knowledge and the influence on this company that has these machines and this software in battleground states around the country Uh, He has actually made a statement that he had solved this problem for Antifa and the left of getting rid of Donald Trump. And that adds, you know, seriousness to what we're already concerned about. Yeah. So so if we go back, I I just want to make sure that I'm really clear about this. When I did the research on that call and I gathered the information, I actually just put Eric into Google search. This is how it all started. Eric Dominion, Denver, Colorado. That was it, right? And when it came up, it came up Eric Coomer. I mean, I actually went through and made sure I had screenshots of it, obviously. But that's how it started, where I put it aside. And when I started getting deeper into it at the time, way back before in September, right, or early October, when I did all that information, I dug into it. The reason why I didn't give it much thought is because I didn't know what Dominion was, right? I just know voting systems, right? And uh, I didn't do enough research there, but I did enough research on Eric Coomer, and that was, you know, he's a nuclear, he has a a PhD in nuclear physics uh, from Cal Berkeley. I mean, the guy just sounds like a really smart guy. So I, my initial thought was, oh, this guy must work for like the FBI, CIA, some one of those guys, right? Yeah, he's not an Antifa basement dweller. Right. I just can't imagine that, I mean, he's very successful, and you could see that there was a lot of things out there about him. So, and none of it was negative, right? So... I put, you know, put a pause in that, come back to where I was elk hunting. I get that text message. I walk through this. I start actually researching it. 
And then we get to the the part where I put two and two together and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sitting on the couch literally doing all this stuff, researching it. And while I'm doing it, I'm sending text messages to friends going, hey, look, I think I'm in trouble. I think I've just uncovered something yeah. that's going to be dangerous. And I, and I was I was sitting there with one of my with my best friend, really, sitting on the couch. And uh, I think the text I got from you was like eleven o'clock at yeah, night. It was like I, a brainstorm. Yeah, and I and I didn't know how to handle it. Like yeah. I didn't know how to handle what I was uncovering. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Sadie. Thank you so much for doing my podcast. You are the most important person I know, covering the most important criminal cases ever. And I I know your time is tight. Tell everybody how we know each other. So we go back. We know each other through a couple of different ways. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Denver, Colorado, where you, um, and that's how I met you, I think, through Temple Sinai. Is that right? Well, I'm, it's your turn to testify. I want to see if I'm <laughs> going to contradict Okay. Um, but I also know you because I relied on you frequently during my coverage of the Colorado theater shooting trial as a legal expert. And I used to call you all the time and ask you questions. So that's the way, that's the way I most recently know you. But I also know that you were at my, you were at my bat mitzvah. Maybe you were friends of the person who I shared my bat mitzvah with. Who was that? Um, Daniel David Levitt. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> Did right. I get it right. Yes. Okay. My great <laughs> friend Danny Levitt, Danny and Jane. Yes. Okay. Yep. There you go. Okay, there we have go. many more things in common. You mentioned Southeast Denver. We both are blessed to have great parents. We went to great high schools. You went to Cherry Creek. I went to GW. We both had Larry Rickman as our boss and editor. I still do. Yep. And then we're roughly the same age, right? 
That's right. We are both 105 years old. Oh, my gosh. Now you're, I looked at your dad's picture. He's a prominent dentist in Denver, and he's younger than me, and that kind of pisses me off. But I figured out your age, Sadie. Not that I remember your bat mitzvah all that well, but I've heard you say you graduated in 2003 from Creek. Yep. So I can do the math because I graduated from George in 74. And can I tell you something about that? Please, uh, please. Yes, I'm getting inducted into the GW Hall of Fame on September 1st. Oh, my gosh. That is awesome. And you know why I'm telling you? <laughs> I, wait, t- I'm, tell telling, I'm telling everybody. No, anyway, back to you. <laughs> All right. So you're a superstar at Creek. And let me introduce you properly. You were... Obviously an excellent student there. You got a superior education. You did your time in other cities, but you got back to Denver, the Denver Post, then AP hired you. And now, as I started the show with the Wall Street Journal, you were on the biggest beat ever at this incredible time. How is it that you are one of the top five most important journalists in the world right now? Well, I certainly appreciate that that is uh, that's your view. Um, I should come on the show more often. Um, but yeah, I really got very lucky in my career and, uh, now I'm covering an amazing beat and an amazing time. So very grateful for, um, for my, for my career and my bosses and everybody who's had faith in me along the way. Your beat is the justice department. Now, back in the day when we interacted professionally, you would call me occasionally for quotations and, uh, I I guess you're just doing that at a higher level now, right? Instead of covering uh, the Colorado courts, you're covering America's courts, and you're assigned to USA v. Trump. Am I right? Yep, that's right. Um, So I do cover the Justice Department, which for the past several years has uh, has meant a lot of uh, coverage of investigations of Donald Trump. And January 6th, I would imagine. January 6th, January 6th, and uh, Hunter Biden and various other uh, politically sensitive cases that are facing this Justice Department. Long before you were born, I went every day to the city and county building. I'd be on the fourth floor prosecuting big cases, including a death penalty case in, in front of a strong female judge named Connie Peterson. My regular assignment was Lynn Huffnagel, who was really strong and determined, and they changed that bench. And there's a certain rhythm and manner and philosophy to various courthouses, don't you think? And I'm leading up to where Judge Chutkin is. I imagine you covered that courthouse. Tell us Uh about the vibe there and, and compare it to what we might experience at the city and county building back in the day? Well, I guess my 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 closest comparison would be to covering the theater shooting trial, which was uh, interesting because they had made an exception and allowed closed circuit television cameras that could broadcast um, that could broadcast the proceedings. Like, I don't know if you could I can't remember offhand if you could watch them on TV, but it, it basically offered, afforded the public a chance to actually see some of the proceedings, which is not going to so far as now happen in federal court. That never happens in federal court. But um, the vibe at the um, E. Barrett Predeman Courthouse in Washington, D.C. is very, uh, it's very tense right now. Like, 
basically there's there's there were on the day that Trump was arraigned, there were pro- probably more than a hundred reporters there and news outlets, um, some of whom were outside with cameras, some of whom were inside, and there was an overflow courtroom. There were so many people. Uh, only a small number of reporters actually got to go into the courtroom to see him, but the rest of us sat in uh, sat in a sort of an overflow media room and were able to get a pretty good look at what was happening in that courtroom. So it's um, it's it's a definitely a tense environment, but uh, a good press corps. And uh, so that really helps. Is that a place you regularly go, that Pettiman Courthouse? Yes. I mean, there's been every, every high-profile trial in Washington uh, in the past few years has been largely at that courthouse. Um, all of the January 6th defendants are being tried in that courthouse so I've covered a number of those trials and a number of those um, hearings. And uh, so, you know, I'm sort of learning my way around that building pretty quickly. I like to go to Washington and get one of those rental bikes and ride all over. And I've ridden by that courthouse. If I know nobody will get in for USA v. Trump, but like six months ago, if you came to that courthouse and you wanted to watch several January 6th trials, was there room in the courtrooms for spectators? Yes, I think by and large, uh, you know, you're as a member of the public, you're able to go into that courthouse and uh, sit in the courtroom. That's how it's been, even for some of these January 6th trials. Now, tell me you're going to get to sit in on this personally. Are you in the lottery? How does that work? I, I am. Yeah, did somebody from the Wall Street Journal get in for the first appearance? Well, it's a it's a bit of a nascent uh, pool press pool situation that we are still working out, and um, I'm very confident that the Wall Street Journal will have a will have uh, you know the ability to get into that courtroom. Now, do you have to throw your own elbows, or does somebody elbow the way in for you? I always throw my own elbows. Nice. Anybody who has worked with me knows that. And you do seem determined to get in the actual courtroom. And if that's true, and I don't think it will be recorded, and that trial of the Aurora Theater shooting, I listen to it a lot, especially the death penalty phase, because I have experience in that. George Brockler and I got along then, and uh, <laughs> I, I I just think that uh, it was fascinating. You covered it. You'd call me for my opinion because of my experience in that field. But let's go back to D.C. right now. And uh, do you think that courthouse has the right courtroom that can accommodate this trial? And what do you know about Judge Chetkin? Well, uh, in terms of the courthouse, um, you know, this is not something, all of this scenario is unprecedented. You know, there's never really been, there's never been a former president uh, charged with a crime in federal court. So, uh, you know, it's testing the limits of the federal courthouse, both here and also in uh, Fort Pierce, Florida. but, you know, they're going to be able to accommodate it because that's what they do. And then separately, um, Judge Chutkin is somebody who was an Obama appointee. She is known for being very hard on January 6th defendants. She's uh, come out very strongly uh, in favor of the need to have some kind of accountability for these people. In some of her rulings, that's what she's talked about. Um, but she's also, you know, shown over the years to be pro-defendant as well, Um She's a former public defender, I believe. And uh, so she's very well-rounded. And uh, we saw that playing out in one of the early hearings, I think last week, where 
basically she, Trump, you know, this was a, what would otherwise be a fairly procedural event in which prosecutors had sought uh, what is known as a protective order to keep evidence in the case from spilling into public view. Um, but because it's Trump, uh, you know, there was a lot of interest in this and he was arguing, of course, that limiting the amount of evidence that he would be able to see uh, would prevent him from right. talking about it. And put uh, it on truth social, right. Wait, right. Wait, but, but here's the thing, and maybe I'm fantasizing all of this, and that's why I want you to talk me down. I say in Tanya we trust. I've read all about her. I think she's in her prime. She's between you and me. She just turned 60 or something like that. She has 10 years' experience on the bench. I mean, you're great right now, Sadie, but think when you have 10 years in. How long have you been on that beat with the Wall Street Journal? Well, I've covered the Justice Department since 2017. I was here for a few years with AP and then I switched to the journal in 2018. So I guess I was only here for so, a year and a half So you AP. got to see that courthouse in normal times. And I'm just saying, Chutkin's impressive, Beryl Howell, yeah. and they're, they're just a bunch of strong personalities because that's not just any bunch. And it seems like there's some collegiality. And tell me if I'm right or wrong or if you even know I've asked some judges about this. Seems to me Chutkin can turn to her judicial colleagues and say, hey, what do you think I should do about this or that? They can share experience. They're a common courthouse. They're colleagues. Do you think that's going on? And what did you make of those other judges attending that first appearance? Um, yeah, I, so I do think that there is, um, from what I know of, um, from the, the judges in this courthouse, um, you know, they they seem to be pretty collegial. And I thought it was striking to see many of them sitting in the back row of the first court appearance um, for Trump uh, when he was arraigned. I'm not, I, I, I don't know anything really about the coordination of that, but uh, it was a sight to see. Uh, probably because January 6th cases have been held in, I mean, every single judge there has probably heard one. So, um, you know, so they and, all seem and, to sort of they, have a stake and, in this. And this all happened right outside their door. What about a block or two away? They're yeah, not far from the Capitol. Right. It's visible from the from the cafeteria. Uh, so, you know, it's 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 a weighty uh, we're, we're, Sadie, were you there on January 6th? Forget about being a reporter right now. Did you live through that? I lived through it. Um, I basically, so January 6th was the day that we broke the news that uh, Merrick Garland had been nominated to be Biden's attorney general. So I was busy researching Merrick Garland and writing a story about him when I started to get some text messages from friends asking if I was okay. I said, what are you talking about? And they said, as some people have breached the, the perimeter. And I just, it never dawned on me until I turn on the news, what exactly could have possibly been happening. So, um, you know, then we just kicked into reporting mode, and uh, this was the height of COVID as well. So we were all reporting out of our houses, um, and yeah, I remember seeing people coming from the Capitol, even in my own neighborhood. So it was, uh, it was truly an extraordinary day, horrifying. And yet, you did your job. You have to put your own feelings aside and report to the world, and that's why you're in this critical spot. You are going to be in the courtroom some days. I don't think there will be TV or radio, and we are going to rely on you. And you are a great reporter. You really are. And Wall Street Journal supplies some facts the New York Times sometimes doesn't give you. And that brings us to like Merrick Garland and then Jack Smith. I want to talk about Merrick Garland. He looks like a guy who could 
I don't know, be president of our show or something like that. I He's had such a history. I've criticized him for being slow, sort of like Alex Hunter during Jean Bonnet, but I've never met the man. You've probably been in press conferences with him. Have you interviewed him? Tell us what you know about our Attorney General, Merrick Garland. Well, I sure have um, gotten to know him over the past couple of years. And one interesting fact that I brought to the pages of the Wall Street Journal, the front page specifically, was that he's a huge Taylor Swift fan. Uh, This was something that he bonded over uh, with his daughters, who are roughly Taylor's age. And so whenever a new CD comes out, they always get together on the phone or in person and swap notes about their favorite songs. Um, I think that's a fun fact. Uh, but, you know, this is a very judicial person. It's he's, um, you know, he's very deliberative. And uh, I think it took him a little while to sort of adapt to the role of attorney general after um, years on the federal bench. Um, but, you know, this is somebody who doesn't make decisions, doesn't take decisions lightly, is not, you know, he's deferential to to the career prosecutors. Um, he, you know, is so the fact that. Trump has been charged not once but twice under his uh, leadership. I think um, you know it's just kind of just kind of it's it's an ironic thing I think because he had been so determined to keep the justice politics out of the Justice Department and now basically the Justice Department is in the middle of a political firestorm like never before. I think Trump forced it on him because uh, Trump made the announcement he was going to run for president and then that special counsel statute tried on point. And he appointed Jack Smith. Now, maybe that's the move where everybody knows about Jack Smith. It's so funny you bring up Taylor Swift because I had a little trouble sleeping. So I listened to some Taylor Swift, <laughs> but I listened to your story about Jack Smith because as a subscriber <laughs> to the Wall Street Journal, everything can be audio. That's a beautiful thing about your site. And this morning, I've been researching that Ron L. Wilson case. So Mm -hmm. tell everybody about Jack Smith. You had a dynamic article recounting especially his prosecutorial background, where he's had some major cases like Abner Luima, the guy who got sodomized in New York. People remember that. And and I I, I had a couple cases back in the day where I prosecuted people who shot cops. I I remember one guy shot uh, a a cop named Rick through the neck and fortunately went right through. But cops take that seriously. Prosecutors take that seriously. They put Jack Smith on stuff like that when he was a state prosecutor in Manhattan. And then he went to the feds and he did the only death penalty, got the only death penalty verdict in New York in a long time. I can relate. Tell us about Jack Smith. Jack Smith is somebody who is known for taking on, you know, being sort of unafraid to take on big cases, politically sensitive cases, uh, and potentially even explosive cases like the ones he's got now. Um, He, in addition to serving as a federal prosecutor in Brooklyn, where he did those cases that you were mentioning, was um, oversaw the Justice Department's public integrity section from 2010 to 2015. Um, He came onto that section uh, as it was still sort of reeling from the implosion of its case against Senator Ted Stevens. Um, Prosecutors had been accused of misconduct in that case of not handing over discovery evidence to the defense. And so that case uh, was sort of a monumental misstep by the Justice Department. But Smith worked to rebuild the unit, including uh, improving its trial skills. 
he started out by reviewing a lot of open cases, um, some of their long-running investigations into politicians of both parties, and he closed a lot of them. That led to some criticism that he was, that the unit was softening under his leadership, but he strongly rejected that. And then in the next few years, you started to see uh, this unit taking more cases to court. Those cases did not always end in convictions. Um, Notably, the case of John Edwards, who was charged on a fairly novel um, theory of campaign finance violations, um, and he was ultimately acquitted. Uh, I think the jury deadlocked on most of the charges and acquitted him on one offense. Uh, and then, of course, we have the case of Bob McDonnell, who was the former Virginia governor who was convicted uh, in a corruption case that the Supreme Court unanimously overturned saying that prosecutors had relied on an overly broad view of federal corruption statutes. Now that, uh, you know, was less about Smith's tactics and more about how the justices viewed federal corruption laws. I mean, they basically raised the bar for what could be considered a crime. That's why um, I want, that's why I want to get to Ron L. Wilson. And I okay. just read the appellate opinion because, you know, there was a dissent about overturning that death penalty. And I read that too. But I had a case, yeah. I talked about a cop getting shot in the neck, and it was an undercover drug buy, and that's why I just call him Rick and not use his whole name. But that was serious, and he lived. But two uh, cops in New York working undercover set up a buy of machine guns for $1,200, mm. and these guys instead jacked him up the 1200 shot one of the guys in the head, and then the other detective begging for his life, he too was executed. New York did not have a death penalty, just like Colorado doesn't right now. So the Fed stepped in and said, we're going to go for the death penalty, and we're going to put Jack Smith on it, and darned if he didn't convince New Yorkers unanimously a death penalty should be imposed. But then the appellate court said he went too far, and it seemed like kind of a rookie mistake because he commented on the defendant not taking the stand, not testifying. You read the dissent, though, it turns out that Ron L. Wilson had exercised his right of allocution to tell the jury, hey, don't kill me, this, that, the other. And then Smith responded to that, and it turned out two to one he shouldn't have. But wow, that had to be monumentally disappointing to the families of the victims and the whole police department. Not many people in Colorado remember this, and it kind of jogged my memory, but this has to have been a big deal in New York at the time. Yes, it was. I mean, uh, both of the cases that you mentioned, Abner Luima and this case, I mean, drew pu public outcry um, for different reasons. And, you know, some of the people we talked to about Smith's past um, compared the sort of optics of those cases to, in some ways, um, you know, what he's experiencing now in terms of, you know, protesters showing up outside of court, uh, both in favor and support. I, I and, know, and but it's a, it's a different direction because uh, I, 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 I know I only have a half hour with you. You never saw me pick a jury, but if it seems like I'm rushing, it's because I have so much to ask you. You're so darn <laughs> okay. interesting. But, you know, in a DA's office like Denver, I said, okay. In fact, I consulted with Rabbi Daniel Goldberger before I said, okay, to prosecuting a death penalty case, because maybe I'm a little liberal, but I decided it was appropriate for Frank Rodriguez and Mike Little, and I got that verdict in 86. Bottom line, though, is some prosecutors don't want to do a death penalty, and we need to respect that. Some judges do, some states. So 
Jack Smith stepped up and says, I'll do it. And Richard Donahue, who's a star witness, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's even said, hey, I knew Jack Smith. He, he, he's a law and order guy. He, he sought the death penalty. Normally, Republicans would be loving a dude like this, right? Isn't that what Donahue tried to explain? Um, I don't know if you heard that soundbite from him, but he, he talked about Jack Smith and working with him during that time period. No, but I think that does, that's reflective of, of people, you know, uh, I haven't heard that specific soundbite, but, um, you know, that's what his other colleagues have said too, that he's just very professional and he's got an apolitical reputation and, um, you know, is just a career prosecutor. He also prosecuted war crimes at The Hague. So somebody with a lot of experience on many levels. All right. Here's what I really need from you, Sadie. You've been there since 17. Surely you can tell everybody about the deep state. Tell us everything. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a pass on that one. I think, Craig, um, you still haven't come up with anything <laughs> on that. Well, okay, so I mean, we obviously know what that Trump. This was, a, this is, you know, something that Trump talks about a lot. This idea that there are, you know, just sort of, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even begin to know how to describe it in the way he views it. But, um, but I'm not, I'm not familiar enough with the deep state, I think, to talk about it. So. Well, that's okay. all right. I, I would say it's just a conspiracy theory. And and this January 6th that you witnessed, you know, a whole lot of lies have been told about it. And the people all got worked up because they were told it was a stolen election. Now, has the Wall Street Journal and you, do you guys take uh, an editorial position that the election was stolen or not stolen? Any, I am not involved in any editorial decisions that are made by the newspaper. You know how some news sources will say that Trump is putting forth his discredited, disproved. I I just wonder, I I guess that's up to your editors. I get it. But I do worry about conspiracy theories, and I I think it leads to bad things. Did you attend the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers trials? I covered uh, certain aspects of those cases, yes, and, and certainly my colleagues did as well. Does it frighten you, the Proud Boys, when you saw them and uh, you know their ideology? I mean, did you get a sense of how big it is? You're at DOJ and seeing these trials. Uh, What I will say uh, about that is that it was a very significant case for the Justice Department and obviously the first time since the Civil War that we've seen um, a successful seditious conspiracy case, uh, you know, conviction. That's what I mean. And you are there for all of this. Uh, you also went to Delaware, Hunter Biden. I had a great discussion about David Weiss last week with Jason Dunn. But that had to be a fascinating day down in Delaware. And I think Hunter Biden's worth investigating. But when it's put up as a defense against the Donald Trump stuff, you tell me it seems like apples versus watermelons. Um, you know, I mean, this is, yeah, it's a, it's the conduct alleged in each of those cases is very, very different. And Hunter Biden, are you the lead coverage person on that? We are, um, we are all stars in a constellation. Yes, but yes. I so admire what you are doing. Do you get pressure yourself? Do you, uh, get threatened ever? You're out there, you're public, your name is Sadie Gurman. It almost sounds like Craig Silverman. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to be uh, to feel pretty safe uh, in the course of my reporting. During your reporting, you covered that Tree of Life massacre, and I know we're dwelling on the death penalty, but it's on my mind. 
Joe Biden, who's accused of being a big lib, his Justice Department just obtained a death penalty against that guy who listened to Donald Trump and then took action and wiped out over a dozen people at a synagogue. Tell us your knowledge of that case and how it affected you. Well, I was a police reporter in Pittsburgh for five years before I moved back to Denver and uh, reunited with you. Um, so I certainly knew a lot of the investigators and the police that responded to that horrific uh, shooting uh, back in 2018. And so, um, you know, I was able to cover that for the Wall Street Journal while being here in Washington. Um, and I certainly know, you know, it, uh, as somebody who lived in, in Pittsburgh and was familiar with that community, like I certainly know how um, devastating it was for them. And, you know, uh, I think they're still sort of dealing with that even today. All right, let me, in our last couple of minutes, put on my papa cap or maybe grandpa cap and think of you on that stage as a bat mitzvah girl. And I'm just a little worried for America right now and for democracy and the rule of law. I've dedicated over 40 years to being a lawyer in Colorado. That's why I think the stakes are so high. And I, I want you to be safe. This threat against Judge Chutkin, the elevated stochastic terrorism. I didn't even know that word until about three three months ago, and I'm pretty old. Stochastic terrorism, it's out there, and I worry about it near that courthouse that you go to every day. I worry about it for reporters covering these cases. Are, are you worried about it? And I know you'll do your job anyway, but is there a specter of violence hanging out there right now for you? Um. You know, I am not familiar with what the FBI's latest threat assessment is related to these criminal charges in these different places. Um, so I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know what their what law enforcement is saying is the prospect of violence. Do you feel the special security when you go to the courthouse now? Um, I mean, it's the same. It's it's maybe a little more escalated than it has been. Um, but I mean, it's the same marshals and, uh, you know, the people who are working the doors that we see every day and, and know and trust. It's a rough world. It really is. That Taylor Swift stuff was nice. Does Merrick Garland call you Sadie? Um, he does refer to me by my name. <laughs> I know, but he could say Miss Gurman or Sadie. I just think it's such a beautiful name. I had an aunt Sadie. <laughs> Tell me about, uh, and I got to bring up another tough topic, but we want a happy ending. Evan Gershkovich, your Wall yes. Street Journal colleague. Did you know the man? I feel so bad for him and his family. What can we do? We need to talk about him, don't we? Yes, he is a reporter. I'm happy to talk about this. He's a reporter that uh, is imprisoned in Russia for doing his job, but the same way that I'm covering the courthouse, the same way that we are covering the fires in Maui, the same way that any of us are doing our daily work. He is being prosecuted for that in Russia. Journalism is not a crime and we need to, we need to get his story out. Um, it's been more than a hundred days since he's been imprisoned. He was imprisoned back in March and uh, the United States government, as well as our newspaper and other allies have said that this is a, uh, an unlawful detention um, that, you know, he was, he was reporting, um, you know, he, there was no chance that he was working in any other capacity other than a journalist for the Wall Street Journal. And um, we encourage everybody to visit our websites um, where you can find some more information about resources to help Evan and ways to get the word out about his situation. 
Sadie, I can't thank you enough for your time. You are so busy. We will keep reading you in the Wall Street Journal. You appear on their podcasts. You're all over the place. I hope I didn't bother you getting a little too opinionated. You know I wrote that column in the Colorado Sun to Jack, Bonnie, and Alvin. I'm thinking maybe you could slip it to Jack. <laughs> I, you know... I, uh, I, I'm not, I, I, I can't promise you that. Okay, but. I understand. You don't have to <laughs> promise it. But uh, thanks for putting up with me, and really be safe, and let's stay in touch. Okay, thank you so much. Good to chat with you. Thank you, Sadie. Bye-bye. Right, bye. He's the best lawyer I know because he's my lawyer. He's Michael Bailey. I think you pioneered this mobile estate planning, and lots of lawyers are doing it now. And boy, are your clients happy and satisfied. It's convenient for the client. It certainly is fun to be able to go and visit people where they are, whether it's at your house or at one of the offices, just to make it more convenient for you. And then it's more fun for me because I get to go out and about and meet people all over the place and help them out. What's the website, Michael? It is mobileestateplanning.com. What's the best phone number to call? 720-394-6887 is my direct line. Michael Bailey, that's our lawyer. Trish loves him. I do too. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome, Craig. Hey, everybody. For all of your legal needs, why not start with me? 734 7156 I've been practicing law in Colorado for over 42 years. And I know a lot of people. And if I can't do right by you, I can steer you in the right direction. My number, 303-734-7156. Ask for Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims, a voice for people with legal difficulties. I am the columnist at large with the Colorado Sun, and my last column, published on Thursday, an open letter to the prosecutors of Donald Trump, the subhead, pay attention to Donald Trump's co-conspirators with Colorado ties. I told The prosecutors said my instincts were triggered, suggested a trial order, and I generally get bossy, but I provide what I think is a roadmap. If they get around to the underneath layers of what really happened in this coup attempt in our country, this trial will be the biggest of our lifetime. And the question becomes, when did the conspiracy start? Now, I'm blessed with this podcast and some skills researching other people's podcasts, including those on Denver Radio, or as I call it, Denver Trump Radio. November 16th, there was Jenna Ellis on with Dan Kaplis saying stop this deal all that week, very early after Jack Smith says the conspiracy was formed in USA v. Trump, the indictment which fascinates the world and the country, the biggest case in the world. That should go first. I make that plain in my column, and I explain the Colorado connections beyond Jenna Ellis. 
I worked at 630K Howard with Dan Kaplan's radio partner for the better part of, of 10 years. But I was not there when he just vouched for Jenna Ellis, and I played that on other shows. Let's go to my other former employer, 710 Can US, where Randy Corcoran was brought in to fill in for me. I brought him in on my popular Saturday morning, 9 to noon show, because my son Sam was having his bar mitzvah, and now he's a junior in college. You do the math. A lot of bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah stuff. In fact, when I got my mic cut at Canyon Randy Corcoran said, hey, Silverman planned the whole thing. I saw him in a great blue suit, the same one he wore with Brian Stelter the next morning on Reliable Sources. They must have taped that the day before. It was a conspiracy theory, and Peter Boyles and everybody over there went with it, except it wasn't true. I'd worn that nice blue suit two weeks prior for a bar mitzvah Temple Sinai, as it happened. But I didn't encounter Corcoran in person that day, and he made it all up with the aid of a producer of mine who turned out to be a neo-Nazi, but that's another story. And you can read about it in the New York Times, Washington Post, Daily Mail, Westward. I was the top layer of drudge report for the better part of a week. But that was a year before this stuff happened in Colorado. At my old stations, in fact, almost exactly a year. It was mid-November 2019 when I got excommunicated for supporting the first impeachment of Donald Trump. But that's okay. I have this podcast and I can get this out just as well with wonderful sponsorship and my Monday show too. But let's go back to the fateful days, mid-November 2020. Donald Trump lost. Rudy Giuliani, drunk Rudy, said, claim victory. They had lined this up well ahead of the election. Roger Stone and others make that clear. And they selected Joe Altman to be the person who announced that Dominion was corrupt. And he did it on November 9th, which is really early, you know, within a week of the election. And it turns out that it came to him two days prior. Hey, I had this info on Eric with Dominion. He went on a hunting trip. He came back and he said, oh, my gosh, it all fits. And who did he text? Randy Corporate a friend from way back. And it was kind of like a brainstorm, not my words, their words, because Randy Corcoran was so flush with excitement, being a part of all of this international excitement. And working for Donald Trump, he admits this during hour one of his fateful November 14, 2020 show. And I'm going to play you his whole first segment because it's so full of everything. And let me tell you that it's a name-dropping special. Lauren Boebert, Stop This Deal, Alan West, and then, of course, Joe Altman, who's his promised guest. At the start of the show, I played you part when Joe Altman actually was on. There's... Take Tigan reference. There are Peter Boyle's references galore because Corcoran and Boyle's were great friends. Read my column, 
Peter Boyles didn't want to be sued. He got off the Trump train. He asked decent questions of Eastman, who hung up on him. And now Eastman is partnered with Corcoran. They're suing on behalf of the GOP. And Boyles and Corcoran don't talk. And Boyles has agreed to be muzzled on 710 KNUS. And he's now got that old Saturday morning slot at 9 a.m where he advertises for Dan Kaplis, My Pillow, and Machine Gun Tours. Those are sponsors. Anyway, there's talk about Christy Burton Brown by Corporate, FEC, remember that? Faith Education Commerce, that stuff at Bandamere. And then Corporate, of course, talks about his great tea party. He always says that. There's mention of Jenna Ellis Galore. He's going to play the soundbite. When Jenna now indicted one on Bill Maher, you'll be delighted to hear this from November 14th. And she keeps saying, hey, all we want to do is certify things. Give us a chance. We're going to court. Okay. And now all they say, what about Hillary Clinton? What about Al Gore? What about Barbara Boxer? What about this? What about that? Tell me anybody who didn't concede in the end. Trump is sui generis. You guys are talking apples and watermelons. But the name dropping continues, Matt Dunn. Holy cow. If you want to hear QAnon Sunday nights, Maggie Q. And he hates DeSantis. And he was on the side of Jenna Ellis. Then he mentions Deb Flora, Randy Corcoran does. Because Randy Corcoran, he wants to be a star. And this is his ticket. And toward the end, he mentions Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell and everybody he's been working with the last week to put together affidavits for Jenna Ellis and the president's team, because don't you know, Dominion was dirty. And by the weekend, they had Trump tweeting about it and telling Geraldo Rivera, hey, I think I may have lost, but have you heard about Dominion? Dominion out of Denver? This first segment out of Randy Corcoran is so instructive. And it starts, remember, he's pushing to stop the steel rallies in Washington and Colorado, everywhere he can. And it's a predicate to January 6th. And if you listen to Corcoran, and I monitor him as much as I can tolerate, he probably would have gone to January 6th, but he had some family problems. And he's had... A number of those, and I feel sorry for him in that regard, but I feel sorry for America that this conspiracy theory, this bullshit about Dominion was launched in my hometown of Denver, Colorado. And Corcoran, he calls Denver hell. He says, I was born there, and Denver's a place of hell. And it's a hell of a thing to make up a big lie about a company in Denver. Last week, we had Jason Dunn on Trump's appointed U.S. attorney, and he even spoke out. You don't do that against a Denver business. Don't do this to Eric Coomer. But Randy Corcoran did it, and he worried about civil liability? Dude, you better worry about more liability than that. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome back to our show. It's me. Or pumped up purveyor of principled passionate patriotism. And man, saddle up. Put your seatbelt on. We have got a killer show for you. Dominion is on my mind. We'll be hearing a lot about Dominion voting systems right in downtown Denver. 
the story is far from being told so far. And we will check in with the man, uh, one of the many people who started to draw attention to the evil doing, the potential evil doing. Uh, disclaimer. For anyone who's looking to, you know, put together a libel suit, this is my radio talk show. These are opinions. Sometimes I express controversial opinions in order to get people to talk about them and explore them and pursue them. So this is what I think. Put that in front of every statement I make, you libel lawyers out there, because I will be happy to sit down with you and do depositions if we need to down the road. It's 9.03 and... It's not a good-looking day. could be raining here in the next 10 or 15 minutes. 48 degrees in Aurora, 48 in Denver, but we may see 60s and 70s later in the week. With all that being said, let me tell you, we'll check into Washington, D.C. a whole lot this show. Lauren Boebert has been going through her uh, initiation at uh, the Capitol, and we've been texting this morning and talking. She should check in with us probably around 1045 when she's on a break. I just want to celebrate with her and get it. I've been on that Capitol floor, and I can just imagine what it must feel like to a young, you know, I'm 61, so young is a relative term. I get it. A young mother of four business owner from Rifle who 10 months ago never dreamt that she would be not only running for office, but now in office as a Congress critter from Colorado. And I just want to spend a couple of minutes with her while she's on a break. So we'll get her whenever she calls in. And I also know of five Coloradans who are on the ground at the Stop the Steal rally in Washington, D.C. They've been sending me pictures and video, and Fox News is on right now. It is packed, packed in Washington, D.C. Uh, so, you know, if you're even if you have, you remember... Brexit, you remember Blexit, Britain out of the European Union, black folks out of the Democrat Party. Uh, I have been a supporter of Foxit, out of Fox News. There are other less biased news sources out there right now, and but they are covering this rally. There's great pictures. Newsmax TV is doing it as well, I'm told, although we don't have that on here in the studio. And just Real, real, real quick on Fox News. You know, I hear all the lefties, oh, well, they're, Fox News is actually being fair and balanced now with regard to calling Arizona early and with regard to president-elect Joe Biden, not. And so now, you know, they're turning on him. Remember for the last four years, Fox News was Satan. Every time they would talk about the BS that was being thrown at us over uh, Russia Gate, or the Mueller report, or the impeachment hoax, then Fox News was the evildoer for actually trying to cover both sides of that situation. That is not my complaint with Fox. We'll have that conversation on down the road because there's just too much to do, too much to talk about today. In addition to our check-ins with DC, uh, final hour of the show, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West uh, came a friend. Gosh, I don't know, seven years ago, six years ago, when I was just getting into talk radio. Has it been that long? Yeah, six years, I think. And uh, uh, he was in Colorado. Uh, of course, I saw him in North Carolina because he's the chairman now of the Texas GOP. And we were talking, what was it, yesterday, day before, and he's got some interesting perspective on how conservatives, 
uh, God-loving conservatives, country-loving conservatives should continue to pursue our agenda and educate and persuade people, even in states like Colorado that appear to be just as dark blue as they possibly can. So we'll spend a little time with him as well. And then, really, if, if you don't have time to listen to anything else this day or this weekend, be here at 10 o'clock because Joe Oltman, uh, in fact, George was talking about Joe quite a bit. Um, his company, one of his many companies, Pin Network, is a sponsor of George's show. That is really cool. And um, he's one of the guys that has outed Dominion. In fact, what he has done and the information that he has come up with with regard to Dominion will blow your mind. And he's serious. This is not publicity. This is not radio. This guy is a patriot. I, I knew him from years ago when my daughter was married in one of his facilities. And, uh, and he was bartending that night. He just came in and, to say hello, and, and uh, we got to know each other. And then he was gone. I mean, it was kind of out of my life until this year when his patriotism and his many, many talents all merged together. And he had to come out and be in the forefront of organizations like FEC and the United American Defense Fund, uh, you know, Tig Tiggins Group and Tig Tigans Group. See, I, I yell at Peter for mispronouncing that name, and then I screw it up. Tig Tigan, write it down. Um, he'll join us at 10 o'clock. And the reason I know he's serious, the reason I know this is not some kind of, you know, publicity stunt or to try and keep people's hopes up falsely that there were such shenanigans in this election that it should not be certified. No way, no how until all of the investigations and opportunities to find and present evidence are done. And Joe is part of that evidence now because yesterday we polished up an affidavit and sent it directly to Jenna Ellis, uh, Donald Trump's. And it, actually, she sent it to me because she put it together after conversations with him and I reviewed it and cleaned it up. Uh, it wasn't dirty, but you know these these guys are working so fast on this stuff. We have over 500 affidavits from individual citizens uh, in these battleground states about the election fraud or at least the election, air quotes, irregularities that have been observed and uh, over 1,200 actual complaints into a hotline, not formal affidavits. Now, remember, an affidavit is you are swearing under oath. Your signature is notarized to the truth of the statements you are making. And we finished that up yesterday, and Joe got it notarized and sent it back to me, and I forwarded it to Jenna Ellis, and it is now part of a public record that I hope, I pray, will very soon turn into a court case. I read online last night briefly, and I'm going to try and find out more about this story today, that Dominion servers were picked up in Germany by, with the help of German officials, U.S. military personnel. Could that be the reason that, uh, that Donald Trump fired his, uh, his defense director? I, I don't know. It will, and I don't know enough about that story to talk about it very much. But I know an awful lot about what's going on with Dominion. In fact, Joe came to our Tea Party meeting this Tuesday, another standing room only, packed, socially distanced and masked, of course, <clears throat> uh, Tea Party meeting, and uh, presented some of the evidence he has about the Antifa ties to this character named Eric Coomer. And um, because Joe is a master of computer technology, that's what Pin Network is, and understands coding and how these things work, we will have a very 
informative conversation with my friend Joe Altman, and that will be at 10 o'clock. I know we've got callers on the line. There's a line open, 303-696-1971. But let's just start with just a moment of humor. I mentioned our former colleague here at 710, uh, legal advisor to the president, Colorado Treasurer Jenna Ellis. She waded into the swampiest of the disgusting, foul-mouthed swamps. Uh, It must have been last night, because I hadn't seen this clip until this morning. With Bill Maher on HBO. And, you know, if you are a tried and true and it, whether you're religious, whether you're patriotic, whether you're socially conservative, fiscally conservative, a constitutional conservative, or none of the above, if you are grounded in your principles, you should never be afraid to go into a place like Real World or whatever it's called with Bill Maher, or go on a left-wing radio station show, if there are any such of those things left around the country. They always seem to fail. And Jenna is one of those people. She is well-grounded in who she is, what she believes. And here was her, just to lighten things up a moment, here is a moment, uh, a minute or so with her and Bill Maher, I believe, from last night's show. Why do you think so many people on the right, including people like Rupert Murdoch, Karl Rove, Erdogan, the strongman of Turkey, the Pope, China now, Congratulated, Biden. (laughs) Why have so many people come over to this idea that, okay, America had a free and fair election. We're congratulating the new guy. That's the way it works. You win some, you lose some. Why? Well, China is definitely congratulating Joe Biden because they know they can control him. Beijing Biden is something that uh, actually really needs to be looked into. Well, I walked right really into that one. A question. All right, well, yeah, you really okay. did. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so, Jenny, you got so me China there. congratulating Biden is not a really good thing. But right. uh, we have always had contested elections through the legal channels, through the recounts, and just because we have the Pope or somebody on media who is congratulating Joe Biden, no states have yet certified their results, and that's all that we're asking is to make sure that the the results that are certified are the legitimate count. And I think that that is absolutely fair. And every American should agree to that, just like Al Gore as the Democrat candidate did in 2000. Hey, uh, I'll tell you, did Bill Bill Mars felt it? He's uh, walked right into that one. Yeah, no kidding. And it's outrageous when the mainstream media, the newspapers, and everybody is referring to Joe Biden as president-elect, even though no state has certified any vote yet, and they're telling you that you just need to shut up. My friend Matt Dunn from Backbone Radio, I think he's been here, what, since 2004 or just forever doing that amazing show on Sunday nights now from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. after Deborah Flores' show from 1 to 4 I, I think I got this term from him, but I, I use it often. It's a psyop. It is a psychological operation that the media is trying to play on you to get you to back down from simply wanting to certify and verify that this is not a fraudulent election. And I heard George Brockler making some great points during his amazing show. Yeah, what, a, what a great show to have on before this one. I hope you all tune in early with George. But... Um, He was saying, you know, you got to show me. I've got to have evidence. There has to be evidence that can be presented to a judge. You can't just shout fraud, fraud, fraud. And I get that. I absolutely get that. But just think about this. And then we'll get to uh, 
one more clip I want to play. We've got full lines. Um, no guests except we may check in with a, uh, a Coloradan or two that are on the ground at the Stop the Steal rally in Washington, D.C. this hour. But for the most part, I just want to talk to you. So everybody on the phone, sit tight. Everybody trying to get in, wait for an open line. Write this number down, 303-696-1971. The point that George was making, you got to show me. Listen, we're lawyers. And I wear multiple hats. He's now wearing multiple hats. Uh, and you have to learn to kind of compartmentalize that, I think. And I agree 100%. You've got to show me. But one thing that is evidence in court, in fact, it is codified into law here in Colorado. It's called a mortality table. And it's just a matter of statistics. What is the average life range? If you've made it to 40 years old, how long are you likely to live? If you've gotten past those stages all the way into your 60s, how long are you likely to live? When you get into your 70s or whatever, you can plug in a number and this mortality table that is used as conclusive evidence in a court of law will tell somebody, will tell a jury or a judge what your life expectancy is. And the reason that's important is if I'm in trial with someone who was in a car crash or fell down in a store um, or for whatever, part of the information that the jury has to have in order to figure out those damages you know, you tell a jury, well, what's it, what would it be worth to you if every day you had to get up and put on your leg brace and hobble over and take your 14 pills and all that? Is that worth $5 a day, $50 a day, $1,000 a day? Could you not put a number on it that would even compensate you enough to make you want to be in my client's position? And then if you get that idea in their mind, then you can also show them, well, based on the mortality tables in Colorado, this is how many more days of life that my client has. And then you just do the math. Statistics matter. And there are so many statistical improbabilities. In fact, in a radio interview yesterday, I I said impossibility. And that was probably a bit of an overstatement. But there are so many statistical improbabilities out there about this election and the flipping of votes and the late night uh, open opportunity for shenanigans and the flash drive, uh, you know, one the, the Judd or Judge, or I think his name was Judd uh, person from the election board here in Colorado that George had on great information on the Brockler show this morning. But he talked about how they protect, you know, updating these machines or removing data and keeping it safe and then sealing off the the USB port or whatever, we know that one election official in one of these battleground cities had a massive uh, USB, a massive amount of information on one of these USB drives and then was being driven by the police, a police escort to take it to where I guess it's going to be plugged in and downloaded or whatever. And it was lost, she said. It was lost for a couple of hours. And the people in charge there told the police, please don't report this. We'll find it. We'll turn it up. This is what I'm hearing. I wasn't there, but this it seems like legitimate information that we should be concerned about. And I think this was an area where 100,000 votes or more could have been in play. And then all of a sudden, the USB port turns up or the USB drive turns up and plugs in and voila, multiple, multiple votes that switch toward Joe Biden. But statistical improbabilities are evidence in a court of law. And that is only one tiny, tiny piece of the puzzle that we will be trying to undo. And I say we, I am a minor wheel in the cog of the Trump team lawyers, uh, just doing whatever I can, whatever I'm told, anytime I'm told it, to try and move this thing along. And um, 
We'll talk about Colorado a little bit if we have time. Obviously, I'm focused as I can be on this presidential race right now. I will say this before we play this one clip to sort of set the stage for the rest of the show and pick up a couple of these phone calls, that if you have, and listen, I know the numbers are huge in Colorado. That's another thing that doesn't statistically make a lot of sense to me, that Donald Trump goes from 4.9% to 14% losing in Colorado. Um, That's a big, big number. doesn't make a lot of sense. But I have received... Multiple calls, multiple calls and emails and office calls, cell phone calls, public officials, individual citizens, multiple counties around our state about things that they observed. Election watchers who were not allowed to go in, Republican election watchers who were delayed for two or three hours from going into a voting place. Uh, Listen, this is what people are telling me. And so because I'm focused on the uh, presidential race Right now, what I'm asking any of you to do, if you have a Colorado election concern, email it to me. Email it to me. Write this down. This is my preferred email for these bits of information. My initials are RBC, Randy B. Corcoran, RBC for Colorado, RBCFOR Colorado at gmail.com. RBC for Colorado at gmail.com. Send them to me there so I can compile them in one place. And I will put somebody on this stuff next week to, uh, to see if there's anything that's worth devoting time and energy on in Colorado. Because one thing we all know for sure, the all mail-in ballot, the scramble to do mail ballots, as the president predicted four months, has created a mess across our country and in this presidential election. And anybody who dares to tell you, oh, come on, suck it up, don't be a sore loser, let's move on, is flat wrong. The Democrats wouldn't do that. They sure didn't do it in 2000 with Al Gore. And you wouldn't expect them to do it if they had legitimate suspicions on a, a magnitude of this sort, where the numbers change so fast, where Many polling places wouldn't allow Republicans in or kept them so far away that they couldn't see anything. Just little things like that and much bigger things that we'll be talking about throughout the show. Just tell them to mind their own business, put your head down, do the work that patriots do, and don't worry about it. So you've heard a lot about Sidney Powell, and uh, she is great. I've been talking with her via text this week, and she's so busy. Um, shared some of this Dominion information with her, and uh, she is one of the top gun lawyers, along with Lynn Woods and so many others, working for the president directly on trying to track down this election result and make sure that uh, we actually can, if we concede the election, that we understand why we're doing it and we can feel okay about it, whether we like it or not. And she lays it out so very well right here. Welcome back. I'm back with Sidney Powell, who is part of President Trump's legal team in contesting this election. Sidney, we talked about the Dominion software. I know that there were voting irregularities. Tell me about that. Let's put it mildly. The computer glitches could not and should not have happened in 
at, at all. Those, that is where the fraud took place, where they were flipping votes in the computer system or adding votes that did not exist. We need an audit of all of the computer systems that uh, played any role in this fraud whatsoever. And, you know, Joe Biden had it right. He said that he had the biggest voter fraud organization ever and he didn't need people's votes now. He would need people later. They had this all planned, Maria. They had the algorithms. They had the paper ballots waiting to be inserted if and when needed. And notably, President Trump's vote in the blue states went up enormously. That's when they had to stop the vote count and go in and replace votes for Biden and take away Trump votes. I've never seen voting machines stop in the middle of an election, mm -hmm. stop down and assess the situation. I also see reports that Nancy Pelosi's longtime chief of staff is a key executive at that company. Richard Blum, Senator Feinstein's husband, significant shareholder of the company. What can you tell us about the interest on the other side of this Dominion software? Well, obviously, they have invested in it for their own reasons and are using it to commit this fraud to steal votes. I think they've even stolen them from other Democrats in their own party who should be outraged about this also. Uh, Bernie wow. Sanders might very well have been the Democratic candidate, but they've stolen against whoever they wanted to steal it from. Yeah. If that's not worth looking into, I don't know what is. Before we get to our local callers, I want to shoot out to uh, Colorado listeners, Colorado patriots, people who heard the call for the Stop the Steal rally going on, assembling right now in Washington, D.C. We'll take our first conversation with Dana Bush, who's on the ground in D.C. Dana, thank you. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Good. What are you seeing? These pictures that you're sending uh, me, what we see I on Fox even... News are incredible. Go ahead. Oh, my God. So, it, I mean, you cannot imagine the the number of people in the variety. I mean, um, tons of, of immigrants, of elderly, of veterans, uh, people that have come from all over the country, uh, lots of fantastic speakers. And it's just, I mean, I can't, I can't even begin to describe the energy here. And I think the other thing is that for everyone who thinks that Trump is only supported by old, white, grumpy people, uh, they, they will be shocked when they see all of the patriotism. Um, I've, you know, I've taped a woman from Venezuela speaking in, you know, in Spanish about what it's like to be in a, you know, in that kind of country. Uh, Chinese people for Trump, Vietnamese people for Trump, black people for Trump. Like, it's uh, the group of people here is inviting and gracious and getting along and being peaceful. It's a gorgeous day. Uh, the, the president had a motorcade that came through. And uh, we're just it's uh, it's an experience of a lifetime. Dana, are people and, still uh, continuing to pour in? Yes, they are. OK. In fact, we're going to go up. We've got a hotel room that looks down. Over the, over the plaza. So we're staying at the JW Marriott, which is basically on Pennsylvania and right across from, I, I don't know, but a plaza. And so we have a room that looks down on this, which is where yeah. a lot of people are gathering right now. But the intent is that the walk minor chain is supposed to go then on to the Supreme Court building. Wonderful. But the number of people, I mean, 
Yeah, I, you even, listen. Even at the even at the airport. Dana you and know, I'm, I've like, got I've just got to interrupt yeah. because we are up against a break here. Encourage anybody to yeah. flip on Newsmax or Fox to see the masses that are assembling. It sounds like, if I recall, the Marriott you're talking about is right over Freedom Plaza, where this thing is taking place. Yes, okay, that, exactly, that's correct. And I talked it's with. The uh, one that's- I talked with some folks oh, who who said in the hotels that there were tons of people, and if that was happening in in uh, hotels around oh. the city, that it was going to be a massive turnout today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even at the airport. So there were these two young college students from Los Angeles. They said half their plane was coming here for this. They had a video of them holding all their flags in the L.A. airport. Uh, I've you know people from all over the country and. Um, it's incredibly inspiring. Dana, and, yes, Dana, God, we God bless you. Over the city. That is awesome. <laughs> and it's not like what it was when I was there for the president's speech, where the people who had taken over the city were the Antifa, BLM, domestic terrorist thugs. So exactly. what, a, what a joy for you guys. And let me just say thank you. I know the other people we'll be talking to this morning on a moment's notice yeah. when I told them about this rally. They were on a plane that night, and I imagine you did the same thing because yeah. this came up very, uh, very quickly. Absolutely. God, Absolutely. God bless I, you. you know, I God bless you. I, I got to go. All right. See you later. All right. Thanks, Randy. I, I, I hate Bye-bye. To, I hate to push it like that because we're so late. Everybody on the lines, full line, sit tight. We're coming right to your calls when we come back on 710-KNUS. Okay. Do you want to know how close Corbin and Altman remain? One, they're codependents. And as Corbin likes to brag, I'm getting sued along with Altman. And he's doing that this summer, the summer of tragedy in his family. And I heard him on his show say, I didn't even leave the house till I went and saw Jimmy Sangenberger play his harmonica and Parker. And it was so uplifting. And way to go, Jimmy. That's nice. I like music. Listen to my troubadour. So Randy got out after his period of mourning, but now I learned he went to TPUSA down in Texas. That was when? Midsummer. Anyway, like a week later, he's in Monta Vista with Joe Altman. Before he came back to his radio show, he's at an election denial event with all the same characters that travel with Tina Peters and Mike Lindell, who sponsors all these shows on these stations. And here he is with Altman in Monte Vista, Colorado, on July 18th. Standard introduction as he introduces Joe Altman, and he's proud of getting sued. And understand at TPUSA, they voted like 95% to deny funding the Ukraine, because that's what Donald Trump wants. That's what Charlie Kirk wants. That's definitely what Randy Corcoran wants. That's not what I want. And I used to think that Kaplitz was solid in opposing authoritarianism, Putin. He was on the side of Ukraine, the side of freedom. But is he going to support Trump with Musk, who supports the same thing on Twitter with Tucker Carlson? Tucker Carlson, Putin's best pal? Are you kidding me? Look at these associations. But go back to July 18, 2023, in Monte Vista, Colorado, reunited Randy Corcoran and Joe Altman. And you'll hear after he starts to introduce Altman, Altman gets up. There's a video of this. You can find it linked in my column. 
and Altman gives Corcoran a big hug. It's the first time they've seen each other since Randy's wife passed away, and it lasts a few silent seconds, and then Corcoran explains it. He tells the world that he's been joined at the hip with Joe Altman, who came up with this brainstorm on November 7, November 7, 2020, during these incredible days that are the subject of the prosecutions that I am following so closely, so is the world. Give a listen to Corcoran and Oldman on July 18, 2023 in Monta Vista, Colorado. Hey, good evening, everybody. My name's Randy Corcoran, and I'm here from Denver. I was really excited to get the opportunity to come and spend some of this time with you. I am the chairman of the largest Tea Party group in Colorado, and that was very disturbing to the establishment Republicans in uh, Denver metro area when, uh, when I beat two of their top establishment candidates by more than their combined vote totals to become your Republican National Committee man. So <clears throat> there's a number of things that, uh, that I want to share with you because I've been kind of busy over the last week or so. Um, Joltman and I are connected kind of at the hip, uh, back at the very beginning when he learned about Eric Coomer and all of the legal junk started. He wound up getting sued. I wound up becoming a lawyer on that case, which he is in, a defamation case uh, with a guy named Eric Coomer that includes Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell and uh, included Newsmax until they chumped out and uh, uh, just a host of people. I represent a website by the name of the Gateway Pundit. Have any of you guys ever heard of that? So apparently that didn't make Eric Coomer happy because just before the statute of limitations um, expired, he also sued me and the radio station that I do a radio show on in Denver for defamation. So unlike Joe, who's merely a defendant, uh, I'm a lawyer in the case Joe's involved with and a defendant in another case. And so these issues, this uh, election integrity and exposing the truth and all of that, is incredibly important to me. I've put a whole lot of my life into it. Uh, there is no one person, one patriot that I've come across in the 12 or 13 years I've been an activist uh, who's shown more courage and more sacrifice than Joe Oldman. So we should give him another hand. You know, the reason I got elected as national committee man is because the people who elect people to that position are people like you and me, people who are sick and tired of being told that Colorado is the gold standard for elections when we can see what happened, being told that we've got to vote for that establishment candidate because he or she is the only one that can win and then watch, watch them get creamed, just get slaughtered. Or if they do happen to get elected, Apparently, they forgot to read the Republican platform, or they just lied to us about what they really believe, because when they get in there, they don't perform. And I just got to tell you, I was invited down to that uh, Turning Point Action group that uh, just happened over the weekend with Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson, and uh, Dr. Frank said he was there as well. And it was pretty cool, because Charlie Kirk, Kirk has put together maybe one of the most important activist groups in the country right now because it is enrolling young people and enrolling them fast. There were 7,000 people down there. 
some who waited eight or 10 hours to get into that place. And uh, they invited the about 16 of us from the Republican National Committee. Republican National Committee is the people who make the rules for the GOP, put on the presidential debates, put on the presidential convention. Um, and as a voting member there, I'm also a voting member on your Colorado State GOP. And I was one of the almost 30% of the RNC who voted for new leadership, who wanted to tell Ronna McDaniel that four terms is maybe one or two terms too many. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, Donald Trump put her there, so we can debate about that. But uh, um, the exciting thing is that uh, this organization is what Dr. Frank said. It's very depressing to be sitting here in our own little enclaves, and, and it feels like nothing is changing. And if we watch too much of the news, we're as depressed as we can be. But everywhere I go, there are more and more of these organizations and groups that are coming into being, and they're, they're getting together, and they're having power. The old guard, old dying RNC is being turned into finally, once and for all again. And it's a slow process. It's a titanic. But it's being turned into a, turned into a grassroots activist group again. And that's with your help. So before I start this panel, I just want to say one thing. It's been touched on quite a bit. But it's really important to expressly thank the people that show up. So I want to thank all of you guys for being here tonight. Because you got, you're, you know, you're tired, you got kids, grandkids, whatever. And it's so important that we take the next step. So thank you guys very much. I assume I'm going to get handed some questions. All right. Very good. So I'm told we only have a... I lost my wife last month, so that's why it's a little emotional. And uh, and Joe and I, we've got a lot of history. And I'll tell you what, this is somebody who's been there for me. And uh, obviously he's here for all of us. So thanks for that, Joe. Took me off my game. And now finally we get to George Brockler, who has the most powerful perch in local talk radio. I can't really talk about Michael Brown, because I rarely listen to Cahow in the morning, but that seems to be a wasteland. No callers, complete MAGA. God bless you, Michael. I don't know what drives you. I don't know you that well, but I do know Brockler, and I know he's smarter than this. And for him to say it's a political persecution to echo Dan Kaplis, who is his major advertiser. So we all have mouths to feed, and still... Brockler, an army officer, has got to know better. He was a prosecutor. My God, the threats against Alvin Bragg. Remember that picture with the baseball bat? And then the accusation against the state prosecutor, Bonnie Willis, that she had sex with the gang leader? And George Brockler says nothing? Same with Dan Kaplis? Nobody speaks out? I wrote a column in the Colorado Sun five months ago condemning this bullshit where you get to threaten prosecutors and judges and what's next witnesses, Chuck and Will take charge. But anyway, I tweeted about these guys calling it political persecutions and some people weighed in and Brockler, he tagged me in a in one of his tweets that we have no proof. I do have proof. George Brockler, give a listen to yourself on the morning that everybody tuned in to hear your reaction to the Fonnie Willis indictment. You did imply it was nothing other than a political persecution. She's doing it for fame, for money, for the limelight. 
Wow, that's rich coming from you. Give it a listen and hear how MAGA compliant and how go-along George Brockler is. I mean, this is a big story, and it's got Colorado components. And one thing you'll never hear Boyles or Capless or Brockler say is Joe Altman. And they're not even talking about Jenna Ellis now. And Boyle says, I'm muzzled. I'm muzzled. I can't talk about it. And Brockler broaches it every once in a while, and he always capitulates. I'm going to vote for Trump. Who cares if he's a fascist? Of course, he doesn't say that. All he does is demean Joe Biden, which is part of QAnon, part of MAGA attack. What about Hunter? Anyway, just give a lesson to George Brockler for yourself and see if he isn't denigrating and questioning a fellow state prosecutor, Bonnie Willis. George Brockler back with you here. 710 Kenyos, you're halfway through the Tuesday show indictment dropped yesterday from Fannie Willis and the Fulton County Grand Jury uh, that indicted uh, President Trump and 18 others on 41 separate counts. He's not accused of 41 separate violations of the law, but um, he is part of a, uh, honestly, it's just a RICO charge with a bunch of other lesser but relevant charges in terms of false statements and attempt to influence witnesses and stuff. We'll talk about that as well. But I asked you coming uh, into this break at the end of the seven, does this make any difference at all? I mean, there are people that have texted in that are like, I have indictment fatigue. I think that's legit. Like if indictment, like uh, so, so he gets indicted again tomorrow. Does it make any difference? And I guess and I asked Billy this too, like, I, you know, Where's that person who was like, you know, after the first three indictments, I was like, I'm still with this guy. But this one, oh, my goodness gracious, this one's so bad, you lost me. Or or is it possible that now that there's this fourth indictment, you're like, okay, look, something's going on, man. New York, Georgia, the feds, they're just trying to get this guy at this point. I mean, they're just going to throw any mud they can to try to change the outcome of this upcoming election. This is election interference. Whether I support Trump or not, I will not tolerate this in America. I'm going to support Trump. Is that possible? Someone, uh, the one who was critical of me being critical of, of Willis's sloppily drafted indictment in a couple of those areas I mentioned, uh, said, she's won many RICO charges. I said, and that means, and she says, I think it's a she. I don't know. It could be a man. If Willis doesn't think she can prove the charges the grand jury brought, what is your theory why she brought them? Uh, Politics? I mean, that doesn't seem hard to me. She wants the limelight? I mean, there's a whole lot of things that a prosecutor can do. I wish that they would never and do that they could engage in is not just the pursuit of justice. In this case, she could really believe it's justice. That's possible, too. But you ask me what an alternative theory is. Yeah, she hates Donald Trump. She wants to see Biden reelected. She wants to see Trump defeated. And so she's going to take the law that's here that I read to you, by the way, the uh, the intent of the General Assembly who drafted it. And, and listen, there's all these predicate charges. The, the reason she has to go through the, sort of this tortured analysis of the conduct here to tie it back to Trump, and she has to try to tie it back to Trump, is because there isn't anything that quite fits this. Nice analysis, George. Nothing quite fits in the whole indictment. You see nothing against Trump 
It's only Rico. Isn't he charged with 13 other things? Or 13 and all. Anyway, George, gosh, you're a smart guy. So is Dan Kaplis. That's why this is so scary. What are you guys doing? Really? Trump is innocent? You're going to go along with that and tell the people of Colorado this sort of thing from your formerly respected profiles and perches? Don't do it. Repent. Atone. America is better than this. America is better than Donald Trump. You guys are better than this. Thanks for listening. Michael Bailey, a friend a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go, you know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined. It's all set up. So there's, it's like the the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey, because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right. And if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to michaeldailylawllc.com. And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. Oh, my troubadour, back in the studio. Good to see you. Good to see you, too, Craig. I love that song. We've done it before, but never has it fit better. Crazy for you. Do you remember when you wrote that one? Oh, it's been a few years back. Um, I kind of like the imagery of it. It's it's a, kind of a fun, a fun song about someone who's just blindly crazy about another person. So it can have a lot of applications. It's a crazy kind of love, but uh, you can be crazy about somebody in a different kind of, you know, friendly way. Like me and Sadie Gurman, I watched her at her bat mitzvah. I watched her grow as a journalist. And my God, to make it to this top job, Justice Department, Wall Street Journal, I'm crazy for her. And what a great interview she gave me. Yeah, I look forward to hearing her. And uh, yeah, you described to me some of your... Um... The, the family connection with her and her dad. Yes, yeah. just a small town, Denver, Colorado. And 
you know that I'm a little crazy right now. I think you commented on it last night and maybe five minutes ago. Well, Go I, was, ahead. I, I was asking you when you... Uh... When you like what you do to to relax at night, I was asking if you watch a TV show or ever get off the news. You said, no, there's too much stuff going on. You have to be aware of. Have you noticed a certain change in me since these indictments started flowing? I see that you're energized. It's my prosecutorial instinct. I feel like I want to be part of the case. It used to be I'd go down to the driveway. I'd open the paper. Both of them, the Rocky, the Post horrible murder. And I think, gosh, I hope I'm part of getting justice. And oftentimes it happened. And now I consume so much news about USA v. Trump, which is bigger than OJ. And I covered that bigger than anything by maybe 10 times. I want to help. It stirs those instincts. And I think that's commendable. But I think sometimes you need to just relax. I know. I worry because you told me you're not sleeping well. Well, that's like I'm in a trial mode. Yeah. When, I, when I'm in trial, then Trish knows I go into a trial bunk and it's just dominating my brain. I'm thinking about it and I'm starting to think what could happen and what are the pitfalls. And I've thought of a crazy situation for Bonnie Willis, who I relate to, you know, she was a longtime chief deputy. She's only had the job a few years, 50 years old or so. So, you know what's going to be crazy? What do you got? This week, you got 19 defendants turning themselves in right. at your county court or county jail. And I don't think they're equipped. You know what? Getting arrested in Denver is like processing probably the better part of a day, if you're lucky. If you get arrested on a Friday, if you need to see a judge, you won't get out till maybe Monday or Tuesday. So now you got all these people who've been told to turn themselves in by noon on Friday. None of them have turned themselves in yet. Otherwise, you got to go arrest them with a warrant. You're giving them the opportunity, and then you have to have immediate hearings to set bond and all of that. If they all, as a team, descend at 11 a.m. on Friday, and it, it will be a madhouse. It will be crazy. You're saying no one reported to-, to Nobody's the... reported yet. Right. But they, they have till the Friday. No. Oh, till Friday. Friday. Next Friday. Next Friday okay. at noon. Okay. So what's going to happen next week? Uh, that's my question. I have no idea. But do you see if they're all organized? And most of them are Trumpers, but for Jenna Ellis. Right. Then they'll do what the big guy says. And if he says, we're going to march in there like an army, right. we're going to demand to be in and out in 15 minutes. I don't know if he wants to go in with those guys, but it's crazy to just contemplate 19 people being arrested, Rudy Giuliani being arrested, Jen Ellis, Mark Meadows. This could be the craziest week ever. And what, what does the unrest so what does the arrest entail? I mean, are they going All to right. Be, uh, so let's say, God forbid, you get arrested for a DUI tonight. So the cop's going to take you to the jail. You're going to be undressed. They're going to weigh you. That's going to be great. What do you think Donald's tipping it at right now? <laughs> and how tall do you think he is without lips? Do you think he'll show up? They're negotiating right now, but that's a great question. Does he want to get it on right now on this... Uh, field. I, I've thought that he's done so much, he's going to push it to the brink. 
He's threatening prosecutors, judges. He said Fonnie Willis had sex with the gang leader. He That's the DA who was prosecuting him. If you threaten witnesses under Georgia law, you're not supposed to get bail. These charges are RICO. RICO. So I'm telling you, there just uh, never been a case uh, quite like this. And that's why I have my new show every Monday morning, 8 a.m., until this is resolved. You can see I've been talking about this. I'm excited about this because this is the biggest case ever. And I want to cover it with smart people because I learned from them. And last week with Speaker Terrence Carroll and Mario Nicholas, my colleague at the Colorado Sun, you listen. Do you see the promise of this show? Please tell me you're crazy for it. <laughs> I am, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the uh, the new format, and I uh, look forward to hear what you got this coming week. How about the music? If I can be of of assistance, I I'm know, here. But do you, that's your chance to say that is my music in the intro. Oh, it's my music. But we talked about something. We talked about uh, maybe something live, even. Oh yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna think all sorts of yeah. things. Yeah, it's a crazy time. Don't you think? And it's going to get crazier next week. You hadn't even thought about the arrest and the processing right. and 19 different court cases in county court. So what would these, so do you think there's going to be a block? I mean, will they organize these the, or will they go in independently with their lawyers, show up at the courthouse okay, there? Okay, now I've thought about this because, you know, Jenna Ellis and I were once close and she'd have legal situations and I'd get a call. And I've represented so many people in this community, and I get a call, and I have to think, okay, is that the case for me? And Jenna hasn't called me this time. No, and I don't want her to. In fact, she's represented by Mike Melito, and she's raising huge money online. And she's getting great support, even from people who support Trump. And she came out hard against Trump because she went with DeSantis, probably for money about three months ago. Anyway, complicated situation. Will she and Trump make up because they're both codependents now? I don't know. But the bottom line is I'm a Colorado lawyer. I could probably get admitted in Atlanta on this Fulton County case. I'm a criminal defense attorney. If she called, what would the right fee be to quote on a case like that? I mean, you're in the business like you do home renovation, lookout renovation, you know what I mean? You, that's a big project, wouldn't you say? Hefty fee, Craig. Hefty. Think about there are 19 other, 18 other defendants, one of them the president. Every time one of these pleadings flies in, you have to read it. It's going to dominate your life. So whatever you make in your average yearly salary, it's like, you know, that's what I make for a year of my life even though this will probably be two or three years. But I'll do it for a year plus. you got to pay for my travel, my lodging, my per diem. That's, I'm just spitballing here. What do you think? Well, I think she'd probably do well to, to retain you. But, no, I'm uh... not going to do it. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> no, I know you wouldn't. And, and speaking of a crazy world. You have, to have a, you have to have your heart in it, really. If you're going to represent someone, I would think you, to do a good job, you have to believe in in what they in 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 them well in, in the, it comes in down to this like i used to look at really hideous murderers that i was prosecuting back for a death penalty uh, 
And, and there were lawyers on the other side, and I was glad they were there. But I didn't think, I wondered, how do you do this? How do you? And some people can do that, the great criminal defense attorneys. And Trump has an Atlanta guy. I think they'll have a falling out, but he's had a history of uh, representing rap stars and progressives. So some attorneys can tune that out. They're just that way. Right. And maybe even Walter Garash, who gets honored this week, you know, just pure criminal defense attorney. But I was a prosecutor. And now I feel the same way about representing Trump. How, how can you make these arguments? How, how can you support a coup? And speaking of a coup, you know, I get a little cuckoo over my old partner, Dan Kaplis. But I made such a great decision not to take him up on rejoining him because those few days I sat in, he kept talking about some kind of coup being committed against Trump, you know, and that the Dems were out to get him. And in all our years together, we'd never used that word coup. And I thought, this is cuckoo. And damned if Trump didn't end up trying to commit a coup. Isn't that a good entree to crazy for you? I like it. Cuckoo for you. No, Dan. Dan's obviously become more radicalized in the, in terms of the, his his uh, joining with the the more radical right and Trump. And that's where it gets really sad because it's just too consequential and serious. And I'm too old to really tolerate that. I just want to call it out. I mean, it's I like Dan said: if if Trump isn't there, DeSantis is fine. It's like. Any fascist will do. That's bullshit. I'll go down fighting fascism. Call me Antifa or whatever, Randy Corcoran, et cetera, want to make up. But see, now I'm getting a little crazy. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you chose the song. Everybody, the bill. Troubadour, Dave Gunders, crazy for you. Enjoy. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, Craig. Crazy for you, I'm crazy for you. 
Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if you were to, if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. That's a crazy good song. Crazy for you. Thank you, Dave Gunders, our troubadour. Thank you, Sadie Gurman. You were spectacular. And I hope you enjoyed my detective work. I think I've figured out that this goes pretty deep in Colorado and everybody wants to keep on top. I can't follow every little development in all four cases. I'm just trying to keep track of the Colorado components. And I hope you like that and will return again and again. Join me Monday for Craig's Colorado Corner, 8 a.m. Colorado time. Tell a friend, please subscribe, share. If you subscribe to my show, you'll get it Monday morning too. I like it on Apple. How about you? Although Spotify is good. I can talk three times as fast as I am right now. And I don't mind being speeded up as long as you listen and tell a friend and subscribe. Thank you. Until next week, be well. It could be a crazy week in Fulton County. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit the CraigSilvermanShow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. 
Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.